Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Father, uh, we pray today that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would give us the grace to see beyond all of the gifts that you have given us and look clearly at you, the giver of every perfect gift that comes from above, and that we might continue uh, with thankful hearts, uh, rejoice in your mighty name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. may be seated. And as I mentioned uh, two weeks ago, a prominent theme in Mark's gospel is urgency. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And what you see happening in Mark's gospel is Jesus hits the scene, he's baptized, uh, he's sent out into the wilderness as we'll read in a couple of weeks, and then he makes his way back and starts casting out demons and healing the sick. And everyone's amazed completely by Jesus' authority. Then we come to our reading today. Jesus heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law. She's in the bed burning with a fever. And I'll tell you, over the years, I've just kind of read over that line, over that passage, as if it's just, you know, she took a couple of vitamins and got right back up, you know what I mean? And did it, because it just seems to run over. But as I've read this you begin to see that this is an important lesson in this action-packed tapestry of Jesus' authority. The fact of the matter is, is that sickness, whether it be fever, whether it be cancer, whether it be a pandemic, can bring into clarity the acute fact that we are vulnerable, that we are finite, and we are mortal. It stirs up the question within us, what happens when you die? And this is because sin and sickness are related. Not in a prosperity gospel, word of faith, nonsense way. I've heard some people talk about God punishing you with sickness because of your lack of faith. And that's actually paganism. That's not Christianity. Sin and sickness, though, however, are related because they remind us that something is not right with the world. Not only within ourselves, but everywhere around us, within the very fabric of the universe. Because the Gospels are dealing with something not just personally, but on a cosmic level as well. Things are not the way they should be. Sin is the disorder of God's order. And one of Mark's points is it has seeped into every facet of the cosmos, and hence Jesus stands alone as the one who can bring back order to the disorder found within creation itself. And this is my first point. As insignificant as it may seem, this just like one little passing verse Jesus healing Simon Peter's mother-in-law. As significant, though, as it may seem for you and your loved ones as you struggle with sickness or aging, it all reminds us, 
it all reminds us that there is something not right. There's something actually wrong, not just with you, but the whole cosmic order of things. You remember the gospel's not about abstraction, so we'll talk about you. And this is why what Jesus, his coming, is so important. is because it speaks to the disorder in our lives. It reminds us that Jesus has come, not to wave a finger, but to heal, redeem, restore. As he said from the cross, as he was bringing order back to the cosmos, behold, I make all things new. And notice how different this account is than maybe the way you thought God actually works. You see, most people think God comes and he heals people who have something to offer. You do something good for Jesus, and then he'll do something good for you. He'll really get in there and bless your life. Give to get. Maybe you've heard that said. But Mark, he shows us something completely different. A different picture of God. He reveals the God who comes to you first. As James writes, every good and perfect gift comes from above. It's not a two-way street. It's a one-way street. And God in Jesus is the God who comes to us first. Jesus comes to Peter's mother-in-law, this poor woman on her sickbed, first. And he comes to you in your time of weakness, in your time of sickness, when all you can do is think about yourself. Jesus comes to you first. And what does Jesus do? Well, Mark tells us Jesus lifts her up. That's not an accident. That word is very specific. That language is intentional. It's resurrection language. Jesus resurrects her. And then notice what it says next. The fever left her, and then she began to serve them. You know, so often we think it's about serving, and then maybe God will give us something. But here, that's all reversed. Christ comes to her first, Jesus heals her, so things are once again ordered in life. And then she begins to serve Jesus and the disciples. But they're ordered in her life, not because she's healed. They're ordered in her life because Jesus is present in her life now. Jesus has entered into her life now. It's not serve and then God blesses and does something for you. Rather, Christ reaches down daily and he takes our weary and dead bodies with the hope of the gospel and with himself he brings order to our lives and he begins to lift us up. He begins to resurrect us. And what does he resurrect us from in this age, in the midst of the day-to-day of your life? He resurrects us from fear. He resurrects us from guilt. And he resurrects us from shame. And Christ lifts us up out of death first And we have to be reminded of this constantly. 
Because everything I see is telling me something different. I need to hear this word. He lifts us up out of death first in order that we might be used for service for the sake of our neighbors. This is an illustration of the Christian who, as St. Paul writes in Romans 12, offers themselves up as a living sacrifice. We We can't get it twisted. Oh, I have to do something for God in order to get him to move. I fall into this trap all the time. Nevertheless, we have to wake up out of it. We are not the protagonist in the relationship. Christ is. God is the protagonist. Jesus always heals first with his word. Jesus saves you, lifts you up in order to send you out to face your neighbors. And this is my second point. This is why we end so many of our services with go in peace. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord because here you have been reminded that no matter what you face, God in Christ is for you. And you go in peace to love and serve the Lord in the face of your neighbor because this is exactly what we do. Through the Holy Spirit, in word and sacrament, we have been met by Jesus in our darkest hour, in our darkest places, reminded that we have been, despite ourselves, saved by Jesus. And now, lifted up from the fever of fear, guilt, and shame, we serve Jesus in the face of our neighbors through our various callings. Your calling... Your vocation, whatever it may be, is very important. And it's very important because as God in Christ heals you and works through you, he masks himself in your calling. He masks himself in those you serve. And so, of course, Jesus continues to attract the crowd, doesn't he? He attracts the crowd. They just keep coming and coming and coming and coming. And notice what Jesus does, which would drive all of us New Yorkers absolutely insane. I think it drives drives the entire human race insane. It drove the disciples insane. What does Jesus do? Well, he goes to a quiet place. Why would he do such a thing? I mean, all these people need to be healed. All these people have real needs. Why would he do such a thing? Well, he does such a thing because he knows that the crowd is missing the point. He knows that you and I miss the point all the time. See, the crowd, they want the gift more than Jesus, the giver of the gift. They want the source Uh, They want the gift as opposed to the source of every good and perfect gift. So early in the morning, Jesus leaves to pray. And when the disciples finally find him, they say to him, Hey man, we're ready to start to build the global healing center right here. You know what I mean? (laughs) The Fire Tabernacle Global Healing Center right here. The Prosperity Center. Uh, But Jesus... Jesus driving everyone crazy packs up shop and says let's go to the next town 
that I may preach there also, for that's why I came out. And that drives me crazy, actually, when I read that closely. Because they went to the next town. But let me tell you why it drives me crazy. Because think about all the people that showed up that afternoon on Peter's mother-in-law's doorpost. She probably was like, that's the last time Jesus comes around here. But no. (laughs) Peter, you're in trouble. But, uh, you know, but just imagine that. The parent with the sick kid. The man who had leprosy, who heard there might be some hope. The sister who has mental illness or is demonically possessed. The person who just needed a gold filling. Think about how disappointed they must have been. Think about all the times you've shot up a prayer and it seemed to just go unheard by God. And you were disappointed. You were furious. The disappointment and the fury is a sign that we've missed the point. The healings and the miracles were never an end to themselves. They were never the point. The point was the Messiah. The point was Jesus, the Savior of the world the one whom Isaiah saw as having power to give to the faint and strengthen the powerless. The miracles of Jesus are not for the sake of miracles. Rather, they are to demonstrate that in his word, he has the authority of God behind him. The miracles in Mark's gospel and all of the gospels are signs giving confirmation that Jesus is ultimately the word of life over death and in him your sins are forgiven. This is why the miracles are very specific in the gospel. The blind are given sight to see the gospel. The deaf are given hearing to hear the gospel. The mute are given the tongue to proclaim the gospel. And the lame are given the ability to walk, to take this news to the very ends of the earth. That there has been one who has entered into history, made the claim to be God, and on the third day has been raised from the dead to say to you that your ultimate problem has been taken care of. And death will not have the final say. But God will, for he has reordered the cosmos in the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, for you. He has gloriously in his son, Jesus, redeemed and restored everything, including you, in the universe. And right now, in the midst of the already and the not yet, we live by faith in hearing this promise and not by sight. But Jesus is the point of the whole thing. I think life often looks like this scene from Capernaum. Maybe for you, there are moments where it seems like you've been in the right place, but the wrong time. And every prayer 
you have thrown up has seemed to just go into the atmosphere. Your prayers may have felt like they yielded nothing. And sometimes life can feel like Capernaum the day that Jesus left. You thought he was present, the constant presence in your life, and now you're kind of groping around, where are you? However, the promise of the gospel to you today is no matter what you're feeling, no matter what you have been experiencing, God is still at work. And he has always been faithful to you. And he's always been faithful to me. And he has fulfilled every single one of his promises in the giver of every good gift, Jesus Christ, for you. And in him you stand reconciled and perfect before God. And it is just that he declares you so. And this is my third point. Never forget, your life right now is hidden with God and Jesus Christ. And so the glory of God and the answer to our prayers can oftentimes take the shape of the cross. I've been reading a lot of the church fathers lately, and they describe life in Jesus as oftentimes standing in the midst of a roaring fire. But not in some sort of like glory, like, you know, kind of way, but like in the pain of being in a roaring fire as he refines you. God sometimes in this age can come at us what seems to be like our enemy. But nonetheless, he is there and he is refining you and perfecting you for the sake of yourself and for the sake of the universe and for the sake of your neighbor. Never forget, in Christ you have been healed and you will be lifted up from the dead and Jesus will continue to lift you up and heal every time heal you every time you hear those comfortable words which say that you are forgiven as you receive the bread that is his body and the wine that is his blood come unto me all you that are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest and allow the saint to hear those words And cling to them with all your might. Because that is what Jesus has done. He has come to give you rest. And that is what Jesus is doing in our lives. Lifting us up. Healing, restoring, and redeeming. In order to fixate our eyes not on the gifts. But on the giver of every good gift. Jesus. And serve him freely in the face of our neighbors. May that be so with Calvary St. George's. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorges.org slash give. Thank you for your support.